And I'm Chad Bokelman. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 141. There you go. I let you have it that time. <laughs> they don't know about that. They should know about that. It's on the, uh, the Twitter. Uh, sh- they only had one chance. <laughs> it's on the Twitter and on the website. Whatevs. Yeah. So, uh... Our plans failed again. Yes. <laughs> Curses, He-Man! Foiled again! <laughs> uh... Snarf. <laughs> yeah, so, uh... So we put together a list of, uh... uh things that you're probably talking about anyway, and figure we'll give you our opinions on it. Because you blah, care blah, so blah. much. Oh, please. They'll love this episode, I'm sure. (laughs) Scott will. (laughs) Scott will. Yeah. John Godwin. And, uh, is it JD on the forums that, uh, gives us, like, the itemized list of, uh, of, you know, what he he thought was awesome and, uh, where we, uh, screwed up on the forums? I think so. Those are always good. Those are awesome. And Jason Grice won't give a shit. Well, I'm sure he would if he was here. He's here in spirit. Uh, Yeah, we'll go with that. (laughs) Okay, so the first news story that we're talking about today is uh, they just released this whole press release about a new Justice League comic coming out. It's going to run alongside Justice League. It's going to be called Justice League of America, though. Uh, you want to do the rundown of the cast, Chad, or do you want me to? Go ahead. I don't have it up. <laughs> okay. Well, that makes it convenient. Okay, so uh, we're going to have Green Arrow. We're going to have Katana. We're going to have Martian Manhunter. We're going to have the new uh, Arabic American Green Lantern, whose name is Baz. And we'll get into that, too. Uh, Stargirl. She's going to make her uh, her Earth-1 debut, I guess, in this comic or something. Mm-hmm. Then Vibe, and then Hawkman, and Catwoman. Justice League did of you, America. Did you mention Steve Trevor? Um, oh, yeah, that guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Steve Trevor's in there, too. He's going to lead the team. Ooh. So, it's going to be written by Jeff Johns and drawn by David Finch, which, I mean, I guess for me, that should be, like, an awesome combo. But the characters on this team, it's just like, uh, I don't, I don't know. Like, I, I know that Jeff Johns, that Jeff Johns is an amazing writer, and... Mm-hmm. Like he's he's written some, you know, some fantastic Green Lantern. I think he did a, he did a really great job with uh, his Justice Justice Society runs. Um, you know, like and other stuff here and there, you know, has has been really good. But he's also written some stuff that I just didn't really care about too much, like the Flash, the last Flash series, and. Uh, the well, Aquaman. I guess I'm kind of like losing. I'm losing interest in. 
That's only because it's going slowly, though. And that whole, like, secret, I guess, underwater Justice League team or whatever. The others? Yeah, I guess. it's That just seems so boring to me. Like, like honestly, like, I, I kind of don't even care how much you're going to amp up Black Manta. Like, that just gets to, to be a point where, like, I don't care about Black Manta anymore. I don't want to see him that much. Well, Ocean Master's coming up, so it won't matter that much. Yeah. But, I mean, like, you know, are we to believe that there's just, like, the two? You know, Ocean Master and Black Manta? Well, of course they're going to start off the New 52 with the main villains. I mean, Black Manta has always been synonymous with Aquaman, and then Ocean Master, what, he was, uh, uh, in the old universe, he was uh, Arthur's brother, right? Or half-brother? I, I can't remember. I, I mean, I, I'm I knew, not sure. I knew he was like a brother or half brother, something like that. Yeah, I know. I know that for sure, and I'm excited to see, you know, if they retain that part of his history with uh, with the <clears throat> New Fifty Two, because it's obvious by now that uh, Manta killing uh, Arthur Junior never happened in this new universe. So. I mean, I don't, I don't, we're going off topic anyways, but. Yeah, and anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, way off topic, really. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so, like, for me, what, the way that, the way that it looks to me is that Jeff Johns, when given the right mix of characters, can tell some amazing stories. When Jeff Johns does not have like, the right characters, then it doesn't matter, like, you can tell me, it's like, oh, it doesn't matter the character, you know, if the writer has a great story, then he's going to make you care about it. That, that only works to a certain point. For me, I mean, for me at least, that only works to a certain point. And, like, honestly, like, God, I, I can't imagine anything ever being done to make me care about Katana at all. Yeah, the three I do not like on this team are Katana, Steve, Trevor, and Catwoman. The rest of them, I mean, first of all, we saw with at least three of them what Jeff Johns can do with Hawkman, Green Arrow, and uh, Martian Manhunter. He's creating Baz. He created Stargirl, which is based off his sister, so you know that he's going to treat her awesomely. And Vibe has been such a consistent joke at DC for such a long time that, you know, that's going to, I have no doubt that that's going to be, if not, if he's not going to turn him into a completely awesome and badass character, then he'll just be a cool character that's kind of funny, like, uh, like Glomulus or something like that. But Steve Trevor, uh, after this kind of series, uh, after the current Justice League series, not really caring I've never liked Katana. I mean, I'll give I'll give Jeff Johns a chance to make me like her, and I'll say I'll go so far as saying I'll give it up until issue three to see if he can make me care about the entire team. And Catwoman, I've never read anything in the New Fifty Two about her, so I don't know what's going on, why she's on the team, anything like that. But I think with the announcement of this book, and this is just me throwing out an idea here. I think it might mean that 
the next uh, two books to be canceled at DC are Green Arrow and uh, Hawkman. <laughs> yeah, I well, the only reason I would disagree about Green Arrow is because the TV series is going to be coming out very soon. Eh, that's true, but Green Arrow is currently, I'm looking in this current issue of previews that I'll be covering later in the Larfley's report, um, uh, Green Arrow number 11 was at number 89, and if I am not mistaken, the Savage Hawkman isn't even on the list. Yeah, Hawkman, that I can easily see getting getting the axe. Um, Plus Rob Liefeld's leaving, so, or is gone. Yeah. Oh, what you go? What about uh, Stormwatch? How's that doing? Um, let me see. Uh, I'm looking it up now. It has to be at least on the list. If Green Arrow's on the list, then Stormwatch has to be somewhere on here. Not necessarily. Uh, I'm looking. I mean, like, and and if that's on the list, I would imagine that it's only because of the Red Lanterns crossover. So Stormwatch might be getting the boot also, which is why Martian Manhunter is coming to this team. Yep, no. Unless my eyes skipped over it twice. I went over this list twice. I don't see any Storm Stormwatch on here. And okay. this is the list of the top 100, so. Yeah. So, I mean, not that it's necessarily, you know, uh, just the top 100, you know, comics. Like, if, if you have a comic outside of the top 100, there's a still there's still a chance that it could, you know, still live, but, mm-hmm. you know, your chances are much less. But, yeah, with Green Arrow, if they don't keep his series going, then they'll start something different, you know, like a side, non-continuity kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, for me, like... I think I think Green Arrow has some potential. Like I don't really care too much about him, but I, I think do. he has potential. Yeah, I care about the character. I just never really liked his solo series. Well, I don't. I mean, okay, let me preface. I don't really care about the current Green Arrow. Okay. Well, you um, loved him in the Justice League when the Jeff Jones was handling him. That one issue of the Justice League. Yes, in that issue he was handled very good because he was almost used as, like, comic relief. But you can't... Like, I don't think he's gonna get to be comic relief in this series. Yeah, that's gonna be vibe. You know, like... So, you know, the, the entire enjoyable aspect of him... Listen, I could be wrong. Green Hour might be the comedy relief in this comic. But he seemed like he wanted to be pretty serious, and he seemed like he wanted you know, to do serious good work. It's just that that issue used him as comic relief, which is why we ended up liking him. So I mean that that's that's only that's only gonna work in that instance. Um but yeah, Green Arrow has potential. Hawkman I could care less about. Uh Katana Katana I actively dislike I don't like the current Martian Manhunter. Like, I wasn't big on Martian Manhunter previously, just because I think he's he's way too overpowered for a character. You know, it's like, okay, well, you know, like, 
some people say Superman is overpowered, and, like, to some degree, okay, but he does have, like, like he has a weakness to kryptonite, he has a weakness to magic, you know, he has a weakness to other crypt- Kryptonians, uh, which they always seem to be fishing out of, you know, different things and whatever. So, I mean, he has a number of weaknesses. With Martian Manhunter, his only weakness is fire, and they gave him every power that Superman has, plus telepathy, plus shape-shifting, plus he can go through things. It's like, it's it's ridiculous. It's like, uh, okay, you got Superman? Or, uh, my character's Martian Manhunter, and you can do everything Superman does, and he can also do all this. You know, like, that's that's basically what it seems like when they created Martian Manhunter. Um, and to this day, it's just like, okay, sometimes he's interesting, but for the most part, I don't really care about him as a character, and the way that he's been written in Stormwatch, in, like, the few instances that I've seen him, or even in the Green Lantern Corps, like, his character is just, like, awful. Mm-hmm. So now, you know, he's, he's, like, you know, one of the central points of this, this team, you have Martian Manhunter, don't like, Hawkman, don't like, you got uh, Katana, don't like, Catwoman, I don't care enough about her to like her or dislike her, Steve Trevor, I could care less about him. So really, then, it it comes down to Green Arrow, which has potential, the new Green Lantern, which I am curious about, Stargirl, who I used to like in the past universe... You know, there's no no telling that she's going to be anything like that in this universe. And for another thing, like, I don't even see how her personality would fit into a team like this. Yeah, because it, and, and, and Jim and I are getting this off of just now reading uh, Justice League number 12, which came out the week we record this. So, and by the time this episode comes out, it won't be spoilers by then. But it says something about to stop... Um, to, to, so to, to stop the world's greatest superheroes, it will take the world's most dangerous team. Yeah. So for it to have the, the headline of the most dangerous heroes and have Stargirl actively sitting on the cover and smiling real big with her blonde hair flapping in the wind. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. And, then, and then you have Vibe, who, as you said, is, you know, pretty much been a joke so if they don't use him for comedy relief, like, you know, maybe you use him for comedy relief, maybe you just make him into a jerk. And then, you know, then you make people actively dislike Vibe. You know, I, I don't know, like, there's... Vibe has potential, but, I mean, there's so few people on this team that have potential. Hmm. Like, I know, I know some people are just going to be like, well, you know, Jeff Johns has never done wrong by me before, so I'm definitely going to try it and, you know, you know, book me for the first 12 issues, whatever. Um, but I, I don't know, I'm, I'm definitely uh, very skeptical, skeptical about this whole series. Yeah, um... Hawkman, Green Arrow, Stargirl, Green Lantern, Martian Manhunter, and Vibe. That's all I care about. The rest of them, like I said, I, I have to give Jeff Johns at least three issues to, to hook me. Because, and I'm going to be frank here, 
Justice League, good story, kind of slow. Aquaman, good story, kind of slow. <laughs> Green Lantern, good story. Kind of slow. Kind of slow. I don't know if Jeff Johns is just spreading himself too thin, or he's running out of ideas, or a combination of both, or he's just tired and can't put enough passion into it. I don't know. Or he wants to go slow. Or he wants to go slow. You never know. But just with with the Jeff Johns stories that we've gotten leading up into this point, for all three of them to be going slow, it kind of irks me. But I continue reading them because, one, it's it's Jeff Johns, and, two, I actually am enjoying the storyline. But I'm not buying the single issues. I'm getting the ones I'm keeping up with, I'm getting digitally, and I'm going to buy them when they come out in trade form and read them all at once. And, and they do read better in trade. Justice League as a trade reads great. Green Lantern as a trade reads great. Aquaman hasn't come out yet that I'm aware of. Um, otherwise, I'd have it, but... Reads pretty good. You know, one of the things that they say in uh, the interview, uh, and I'm, I'm going by the Newsarama uh, interview, um, he says, you know, they're going to discover that they're as A-list as anybody. Yes, even Vibe. And I mean, like, that's that to me is hysterical, because what happened with the last Justice League series? Like, you had... You had like you know, not uh, Tim not Drake, Batman. Uh, what was it? Uh, Donna, Troy, Wonder Girl, Supergirl, yeah. Wonder Woman, Con- Congorilla, the Alien, Starman. Yeah. Um, who else was on that team? Oh God. When you say Congorilla and that Starman, though, that's that's that automatically just tells you how B, <laughs> B or no C list that team was. Yeah, you, you had a C-list slash D-list Justice League, and I mean, like, I guess it it works. It works in theory. It it really does work in theory, except for Starman. The team would work in theory. You figure, oh, well, you got a Superman type character, you've got a Wonder Woman type character, and a Batman type character, and they're all like, you know, the the understudies. So now they're finally up in the big leagues. Know, and then we're going to throw in a giant monkey. You know, it works on paper. And actually, Congorilla was pretty interesting. Um, he was, I'll give him that. But I mean, it's just like, between the characters that you don't really care that much about, because they're not the main characters, you know, combined with, well, I ask backwards stories, but you know, that, that goes to the writer. But I mean, like, all any, anybody was asking for was, okay, well, where's the regular Justice League? Everybody that was reading that, that comic was like, okay, well, this is good, but when is the actual team going to come back? And everybody's like looking at like anniversary dates and stuff like that. Well, maybe they'll bring them back for that. No. Okay, well, maybe they'll bring them back for this. No. Okay, well, finally, they rebooted the universe, and that's how we got a Justice League back that had a normal Justice league team. You know, so now everybody's looking, it's like, oh, well, Jeff Johns, you know, he, he does an amazing Justice League book. So, you know what we should do? We should have Jeff Johns do another Justice League book. You know, he'll just he'll just come up with some random characters, 
whoever we've got lying around the office that nobody else is really doing anything with, throw them all into a book and somehow make it work. Go, Jeff. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. So, and then this is all gearing up to the Trinity War, which... Which isn't even really until, like, next year, though, right? Right. Uh, Which, I have to say, with, like, the way that Flashpoint was so rushed and just, like, forced on you and didn't seem to evolve naturally at all, at least with the next big thing, they're letting that build up a bit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, and it seems like it's taken forever to get here. And and to be honest, Trinity War is what will make me decide whether or not the New 52 is awesome or not. Now, I did post something on Facebook or something a while back of a picture of all the trades I own. And of the ones that are out so far for the New 52, I've got OMAC, Demon Knights, Action Comics... Batman, Wonder Woman, Green Lantern, Justice League, and Batgirl. So, from that perspective, I'd say the New 52 is pretty successful, at least for me. Uh, And I've still yet to pick up uh, Flash and Aquaman. And so, basically, the New 52 has got me to not only buy the main Justice League team book, but to buy every solo, an iteration at least, of every solo series of the main seven. So, or, well, main six, because Cyborg doesn't have a book. Um, but, yeah. I mean, it's, it's in that regard, it worked, but, and we'll get to this later, but, because it kind of ties in as a topic I'm going to drop on Jim in a little bit. Um, but there, there's a reason that it's going to take until the Trinity to get me to figure out if I like the new 52 or not. And, and we'll get there, I guess, but. Okay. It's it, it has to do with the solicits for the the month of November, so. Oh. Okay. Um. Then I guess uh, as long as we're on this topic, let's take a moment and talk about the new Green Lantern. Baz. Baz. Okay. What the, about him? Well, he's uh. He's an Arab American, so. <laughs> Yet again, we get a, another Green Lantern from America, which yep. I don't know. Like, I think that's a little. I think it's funny. <laughs> like, you know, you, you you're trying to go more diverse, and okay, so he's not he's not the same race technically as you know the rest of the Earth Green Lanterns, but still, you know. You have another Green Lantern ring going out, you know, into into the Earth, and once again, it, once again, America again. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, you know, like I, I I don't really care one way or another where the guy is from. I just think that it's a missed opportunity, and I think it's it's a little funny. Um, but uh, yeah, so they. They don't really talk too much about him, other than he's a Arab American and he doesn't exactly trust the ring. 
and uh, I guess there's some strange circumstances surrounding why he becomes a Green Lantern, although if you read the Green Lantern Annual, I think you could probably guess. Yeah, exactly. Um, which, that, that's that's fairly interesting. That is, no, that's definitely interesting. The way the the ring comes to him? Yeah. Or the I, ring that comes to him, rather? Yeah, like, you don't you don't see the ring going to him in the annual, but... You see, you see the, how the ring starts going towards him. Or, or you get the why. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. So, and that is interesting, and I'm definitely curious to find out more about this, this guy, especially based on <laughs> what we saw in, in the annual. So, I mean, I don't know, like, they may, they may, may make me a sucker and get me to, to get this just to read about him. Or I'll just go into Barnes and Noble and read the issues as they come out, and then put them back on the shelf and possibly pick up the trade. Hmm. Yeah. And speaking of the Justice League, and, and this happens at the end of uh, uh, Justice League number twelve, it says you know coming in the second year of Justice League, and it teases four things, and then. It says, in coming in 2013, it teases three things and then shows you the new Justice League of America team. Um, do you want to just say the things that the future storylines it teases? Um, hold on, I have to call that up. Sorry. Yeah, go for it. Uh, the first panel uh, for the and coming in the year, second year of Justice League, uh, it's Wonder Woman, you know, a little cut up and saying it's not just the cheetah, it's who she's working with, uh, and that'll be revealed to us fairly soon if you've seen the solicits for upcoming issues of the Justice League. Uh, what you call it? Um, I don't think we need to get into that particular page. Actually, I don't. Is there anything you think that will? Uh... Well, I, I was just getting into all of it because I was just interested in only about three of them. <laughs> I mean, I'm not really, I'm not really interested in any of them. Really, the the Atlantis versus the entire Justice League, led by Aquaman. Yeah. Come yeah. on. All right. Well, I, then the two, then the two I'm really interested in is uh, Cyborg saying it. You know, Batman goes, what's this mean, Cyborg? And Cyborg says, it means when the Justice League opened up the ranks, we brought in a traitor. Yeah, that's so, fairly interesting. So if that, now does that, do you think that means Justice League of America by opening up the ranks? Or do you think that means the Justice League main book, that team will open up to allow new members who aren't the team we see in Justice League of America? Correct. I think it's that one. Okay. Because, well, and, because... Okay, because I will, for, okay, first off, 
there's going to be some spoils for uh, Justice League, which hopefully they would have figured that out already since you started reading off the last couple of pages of well, the I comic. Said, I, I said at the beginning, this episode will, once this goes up, it won't be spoilers by then. Well, if they haven't read the issue... It, well, whatever, we're talking about Justice League number 12, so... Anyway, so when you consider who left in this issue... Right. Already, and then the panel with Aquaman, at the you know, then this what's to come, and then, uh, what you call it, the next panel with uh, Shazam, you know, you would imagine that, okay, well, one person left in the book, Aquaman possibly will leave, maybe Shazam will join the team, we don't actually know for sure, but... I hope so. Yeah, that would be cool, but... I'm just, I'm interested to read more about Shazam, but you would think that they're at least, you know, even if they allow Shazam on, you know, judging by what we can hypothesize, um, they would still need one more person. Uh, And I think I know who it is. I think I know who you think it is. Firestorm? That's what I was thinking. Yeah. And, and it's just just because, and I don't know, have, obviously haven't read enough of the New Fifty Two to to, you know, definitively say this or not. But I think, based on the way the team's being portrayed and the way in which they act, I think Firestorm is too powerful not to be on the league. And I think that with the new iteration of Firestorm coming back, which is essentially the old iteration. Right. And for those of you who haven't seen the solicits, again, uh, uh, first of all, uh, Yildre Sinar and Ethan Van Skyver are no longer on the book. It was Joe Harris for a little while, um, but now Joe Harris is leaving. He was kind of the fill-in between uh, Ethan Van Skyver and the new guy that's going to be starting on the book very soon with issue number zero, no, 12, no, 13, rather. Zero or 13 uh, on it's basically uh, Dan Jurgens is going to be writing the book, and it's going to be Firestorm uh, is made up again of Ronnie and Jason as one Firestorm. So with that old iteration coming back as you know, quote unquote, new for the new New Fifty Two, I think he's too powerful not to be on the team. And yeah, I don't know. You know, it's interesting with. The fact that now Dan Jurgens is coming on and basically, it's almost like DC is saying, wow, we really screwed up with this. Yeah. Let's, uh, you know, it's like, Dan, just uh, come up with, come up with some way to get us back to where we started before all this and uh, we'll just continue on like it never happened. Yeah, I've, I've, I've always, and, and this, I promise you, this is... Okay, maybe it's a little bit, but for the most part, it's not because I'm a fan of Firestorm. I've always believed Firestorm, with the power set that he has, the way he looks, you know, the dynamic he brings to anything, I've always believed he should be part of the Justice League. But that's just me. I mean, like, the only reason why I would say that maybe not is because of the personalities involved. I guess, but if you're going to be bringing on Shazam on the team, which is, I'm going to say about 80% for sure at least, that 
and that's that's a kid basically. <laughs> then, well, I mean, te- okay, technically we haven't necessarily seen if uh, Shazam still maintains the personality of Billy Batson when he's in the form of Shazam, or if it's just another personality imprinted over it. So I guess there's still room for it being a completely different kind of personality when he's in the form of Shazam. I'm doubting so, but whatever. If if but technically, if you have Shazam on the team, you have a kid on the team. So why not have some teenagers on the team? I mean, Cyborg himself is a teenager. Yeah. 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 Well, we'll see. We'll see. Uh... And then the uh, the other panel I was interested in is Pandora handing the Pandora's box, which I'm assuming that's what that is, yeah. is Skull. Uh, Pandora hand, handing the box to somebody, uh, a pair of shadowed hands, that, and saying, open it. And it looks like those hands are gloved, which could mean Phantom Stranger. I'm just going to say that. Maybe. Possibly. I mean, it, it, that's just me being a Phantom Stranger fan and wanting to see that technically, but... That's my only guess on who that could be. I mean, but, I, it's... Which looks like the start of the Trinity Ward to me. It, it's, it definitely could be gloves. I guess the, the question... Oh. No. No, I was going to say, like, maybe if she gets somebody else to open it, then she will no longer be the be one... Cursed. Yeah, be the one with the curse. But... But then the isn't isn't the other hands look like they want to take it. That's true. Well, isn't the isn't the the legend of Pandora's box like the actual mythical legend of Pandora's box that Pandora opened the box and the sins of man or whatever got out except for one or two or something like that. The only thing left in the box was hope. Oh. Well, never mind then. That wouldn't make a whole lot of sense. <laughs> Oh no, she's gonna let hope out. Yeah. Unless they changed up the the storyline for the DCU. <laughs> uh, okay. Hmm. Well. Anyways, all right, moving on. Yeah. Next topic. Uh, Justice League. Speaking of Justice League, Justice League the movie. Yes. Um, the last time we spoke about this, um. We were talking about how DC had said something to the effect of no more uh, DC movies for three years or so, which I guess technically none of this uh, new news negates that. Um, But it's been reported by Batman on film and uh, thus picked up by a whole lot of other news networks that a source has said that the rebooted Batman for the movie universe will be spun out of Justice League. So the first time you see the new Batman post uh, Nolan's trilogy will be in the actual Justice League film, not in a solo movie beforehand. Well, like, honestly, it's, it's almost like common sense. It's just, it's basic logic. Because they haven't... Okay, over there. Ah. Because since they haven't 
like, announced anything for any of the movies except for Justice League, you would think that Justice League would be the obvious one to get finished first. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, like... They say, for for what it's worth for Green Lantern fans, they also say, some of the articles are also saying they're, that rumors are they're going to do the same thing with Green Lantern. Next time you see Green Lantern will be in Justice League, not Green Lantern 2 or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, but they haven't... They haven't actually uh, officially said whether or not they're going to completely reboot the Green Lantern movie series or make it a sequel. Yeah. So that's still up in the air. I mean, a lot of it's still up in the air. You know, the thing the thing that I took away from this, um, like the, the, the big thing is that DC says they want to do the exact opposite of what Marvel did. And instead of having a bunch of Marvel movies about different superheroes, which then builds up to Avengers, they just want to have the big movie and then spin solo movies out after that. Mm-hmm. Like, now to me, that sounds idiotic. <laughs> what about you? I... I don't know why I'm more on board with it now than I was the last time we talked about this. The only way in which I'm kind of bothered by it is what about retaining the actors for their solo spinoff movies? I mean, that's that's not really a big deal because they'll just sign a contract that, you know, ties them into yeah. like a trilogy of their own movies as well as like a trilogy of Justice League movies, that's that I don't see as a an issue. But I mean, mm-hmm. to me, like when you had the the Avengers movies, you know, you, you had you start off with Iron Man. Now, a lot of people want to see Iron Man, and they're going to go see Iron Man. And then you have some people that are just like, you know, they're lukewarm on Iron Man. You know, they they really like their Spider Man movies, and they think it would be interesting to see. Uh, an Avengers movie, but because there's that clip that starts tying them in together, you know, you get a few more people going to see Iron Man. And then, you know, when you have, was it, was Thor the next one? Incredible Hulk. Um, well then, it wasn't Incredible Hulk before Iron Man then? Mm-mm. It was, oh, right. yeah, well, yeah. it was uh, right. Iron Man, Incredible Hulk, Iron Man 2, Thor, Captain America, Avengers. So, but, like, the point is, like, some people that were not going to see the movie, they, you know, just thought, oh, well, I can wait till video. Oh, wait, there's going to be a part at the end, you know, leading up to Avengers. You get more people involved. And not to mention, you know, you also have people who only care about Thor and don't care about Iron Man. But, you know, because they can't wait to see Thor in the Avengers movie well, okay, maybe they'll go and watch Iron Man on DVD to start catching, you know, catching up. It just, it builds the audience for the final movie. Well, you know, the the goal, the end zone, basically, which is Avengers, to the point where, like, everybody's, like, you know, seething, you know, they're, they're frothing at the mouth to finally see this movie that they've been building up for years and years. Now, Justice League, it's like, 
okay, we're going to come out with this Justice League movie. So basically, it's like, you know, okay, guys, you're going to have to take us on our word that Justice League is going to be this amazing movie. You know, we're giving you the great movie first, which they don't really have a great track record. You know, the, the, the Nolan films, okay, but aside from that, they haven't really been able to do too much that's great lately. So you're going to give us the what's supposed supposed to be the best movie first. Now, if that's not like the most amazing thing that people have ever seen, then any movie that they want to spin off from that, you know, like they might as well just shoot themselves in the head because it ain't going to go nowhere. You know, like a Batman movie, that's gonna that's gonna sell regardless. You know, that that doesn't matter. And a Superman movie is going to make some money at least. Might not do do amazing, but you know, even even now, like, well, I'll get to the Superman nonsense in a second. Mm-hmm. But you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, if if Justice League isn't amazing and make you care about all of those characters, which again, that like that's another aspect. You have the the length of one movie to make people care enough about a character, about seven characters enough to be willing to go see their solo movie when that comes out. Where as opposed to okay, you know what, here's here's a flash movie. You know, check this out because it's got like a bunch of scenes at the end that ties into Superman and Green Lantern. You know, so we know that you want to see that to go see the Green the, the Justice League movie that's gonna be coming up if they were going to be doing it that way. You know, and we know you don't really care that much about the Flash, but you're going to go see it anyway because of that, those reasons. And when you see it, you'll enjoy it because we're actually going to spend some time developing the Flash's character. Yeah, what's so wrong with what's so wrong in the, everybody else's mind with shamelessly copying the Marvel movie method for the DC universe? Well, exactly, and it almost seems like they're going to do it in complete reverse just to spite. You know, Marvel, just to be like, you know, we're going to do it completely different because, you know, we're not going to follow you. It's like, well, you're stupid. You should follow them because they did it right. Yeah. And and speaking of doing it right, we might as well go ahead and get into it. (laughs) The Superman thing. Yeah. Man of Steel. And now they could be pulling a fast one on us. Let's let's at least leave room for that. Zack Snyder keeps saying again and again nowadays that the Man of Steel movie has nothing at all to do with anything Justice League related. Yeah. They could be pulling a fast one. I'm kind of doubting that. Well, no, I, I well, doubt that they're pulling a fast one. I think Zack, Zack Snyder is basically saying... I don't want my Superman movie to have anything to do with this Justice League nonsense. And, you know, Warner Brothers may have just been like, you know, well, we haven't told him yet, but it's totally going to tie in. Okay. Well, yeah, then that's possible. But according to the, at least according to the news we've read, and going solely off of that, not taking conjecture off of it, the Superman Man of Steel movie will be in hopefully being a trilogy. <laughs> um, they will do the Justice League movie. 
And that Superman in the Justice League movie will be a completely separate Superman from the Man of Steel trilogy by Zack Snyder. And all will be hunky-dory, and it's just cool to have two different versions of Superman out there. No big deal. That's not cool at all. Like, that's... If if it's in different forms of, of the media, that's one thing. Like, if you want to have a a TV Batman, a movie Batman, a direct-to-DVD Batman, a comic Batman, they can all be completely different. And, you know, nobody's going to say anything about that because, you know, you're not – it's not like you're going to go to the movies and accidentally, you know, confuse it with the TV show, which is a completely different actor. But if you're going to the movies to see a Batman movie and then another movie has a Batman in it, but it's a completely different Batman, you're going to be wondering, well, you know, what's going on here? You know, these are movies. They're happening, you know, very, very close to each other. It's like first there's a Superman movie, then there's a Justice League movie, then there's another Superman movie, and that Justice League Superman was completely different. That's stupid. Yeah, and you have to think about it in terms of not just comic fans. Like let's 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 be honest. Out of regular movie going audiences and comic fans, who are more likely to be okay with separating two different versions of a character in the same medium? <laughs> comic fans. Yeah. Mod- modern audience audiences aren't going to be able to I mean and this this isn't like, you know, dumbing them down or anything. This is just atypical. You see Superman's logo for a solo movie on the the title for Man of Steel and Superman's logo on the title for a Justice League movie. You're going to be like, oh, cool, Superman, Clark Kent, same guy, awesome, so same actor, must be, right? Yeah, cool, same mannerisms and everything, right? Cool, you know? No, completely different. They're not going to be able to do that. I mean, and... And and additionally, I mean, not even just different actors but completely different styles like Zack Snyder has a very distinct style whereas Mm. Ben Affleck who they're talking about directing the Justice League movie may want to they were huh they were well they're not anymore no that's the point of the article uh Ben Affleck one of the articles we were going to get into a minute ago we might as well tie it in here uh Ben Affleck was considered supposedly for directing the Justice League movie He's not uh, anymore. Rumors are that the Wachowski brothers, the guys who did the Matrix trilogy, are in consideration for directing the um, Justice League movie. Oh. Okay. Uh, is it Wachowski? Wachowski? What is it? I, it, it? It doesn't matter. No, oh, whatever. <laughs> it doesn't matter to me. Um, All right. Yeah, well, regardless, the Wachowski brothers then... then if they have a completely different vision from Snyder as Superman and they want to go, like, say, more traditional or whatever, then, you know, it's going to be – it's almost going to be like two different people. Like, you know, not even just the actor. It's going to be like, you know, Superman A and Superman B. And they could be for, from two different planets for all, you know, the general movie-going populace could care. You know – I'm probably going to get some flack from this, maybe even from you. <laughs> but um, oh, probably. <laughs> I am, and, and I agree with everything that's been said so far. 
But there's like another side of me that kind of wants it to be a separate Man of Steel trilogy and then have a Justice League movie and then another spin-off Superman because just because of the sheer amount of live action DC awesomeness I'd be getting out of the deal. You know what I mean? Having having three back-to-back awesome Zack Snyder Superman movies and then three back-to-back Christopher Nolan awesome Batman movies and then an awesome Justice League movie and then spinning off into a bunch of awesome live action other movies. You know, it's just it's just like almost like double the pleasure, double the fun kind of stuff. If they had started the Man of Steel trilogy like a couple of years ago mm-hmm. and they had filmed them close enough together that we were getting them like a year and a half apart mm-hmm. and the last one comes out either like, you know, say a couple of months before the Justice League movie or, you know, a year before the Justice League movie came out then I would be awesome with it. You know, you give me, give me the Superman story in the, in the movies and, you know, you tie it off and then you reboot the whole thing. And, you know, I get to have a whole different, you know, new Superman. You want to do that? I don't have a problem with that. But to give me two different Supermans, you know, in the movies at the same exact time, just... You know what would have been perfect? And, and you know, shoulda, woulda, coulda. But if Nolan's Batman and Snyder's Superman, first both first movies are re- released around the same time, and then both second movies released around the same time, and then the third one's released around the same time, and at the end of each of the third ones, Batman and Superman met for, like, a world's finest kind of moment, and then kind of like, Justice League is coming. <laughs> That would have been that would have been great, but well, even <laughs> if like they did like a you know a Batman Superman movie after that to close it all off, that'd be cool too. But I mean, right? I mean, even like honestly, even the logistics of this Justice League movie until it happens, like until like we're actually at the opening weekend, I'm still going to be very doubtful because they've been trying to do stuff like this for I don't know decades now yeah and and it's 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 hard for there are a lot of people out there and this will be my final word on the subject uh for this episode it's hard for a lot of people out there uh, when it comes to stuff like this say essentially shut your mouth just wait until it comes out and and make your judgments but it's so hard to read the type of news that we're getting about the Justice League movie and the amount of it, and in, in your mind, see how badly it's gonna it, it can it's it's it seems to be going to you at least, and yet ha- also having the love of the characters you do, yeah. and and wanting them desperately to succeed in a live action movie verse like i love dc i freaking love dc comics and its properties and i want them to blow marvel's movies out of the motherfucking water i want them to be the most epic thing i've ever seen on screen ever and then one bit of news comes out and i'm like uh Okay, I'll, I'll just I'll reserve. Shut up, Chad. I'll, I'll reserve judgment. I'll, it'll, it'll it'll be fine. Just cool down. And then another piece of news comes out. I'm like, oh, oh okay. Um, no, 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 no. 
And then another one. Oh shit! Here we go. And then another one. Oh oh god! Please don't do this. You know, and it just seems like it's all slowly going downhill more and more and more. And it just becomes a defeatist attitude for me as a DC Comics fan to see this and not think this is going to be absolute shit if they don't do it the the way I think they should. Yeah. It, well, like I said, DC's track record, unless you have a director who basically says, okay, you're going to give me this movie and I'm going to do whatever the hell I want and you're going to stay out of it, or else I'm not going to do this movie, you know. And and really, how many directors can actually command that kind of that kind of a contract? You know, if you don't have that, then Warner Brothers they come in and it's like you have 50 million people touching your script, 50 million people touching this because if they can get their name on the script in any way, shape, or form. Or if they can get, you know, their name, like, you know, as, like, an executive producer or anything in the movie, then they make more money. It's, like, anything that they can do to put their hand on the movie so they can leech money out of the, you know, the end result. And that happens so much from these Warner Brother movies that it just gets to the point where you have too many... Was it too many hands in the pot or something like that? Yeah. Too many too many cooks in the kitchen? Yeah, whatever. We get your idea. Too many spoons in the spoon holder? Okay, whatever. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's... So, and you know, like, you could... If you have one person, or, or even, like, you know, two or three people, and they all come together with a vision... And they all hash it out and come up with this amazing movie, then the potential is like limitless. But when you have like you know a committee of thirty people making your movie, it's like you know you're going to end up with a pile of dog shit. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Moving on because I'm literally starting to get depressed now. Yeah. But no, you're right, because it is, it's because we care about the characters so much. We care about the universe. Like, with Marvel, I, at this point, I really don't care about the comic universe all that much. Mm-hmm. But the movies, I mean, I love the movies. The movies are amazing. Mm-hmm. They do such an amazing job with the movies. So, uh, I guess a couple other little tidbits of news, and uh, then we'll go with your your pop topic. Mm-hmm. If you go over to the LanternCast Twitter, um, some of you, I'm sure, have already checked it out because it's such a happening place. <laughs> hey, it has been recently. It has been recently. Yes. I, the, I take full responsibility. <laughs> I, take a, l- I no. take a little bit of the responsibility. I got you. But we've been retreated by, like, Fire and Water Podcast, Firestorm Fan, Aquaman Shrine, Graphic Audio. I mean, come on. Uh, what you call it? Uh, what's the, the Indigo Tribe? Oh, uh, the Indigo Tribe. Yeah. That's the blog. Yeah. That, that's that's a pretty pretty good blog. I actually, uh, I was doing some searching for um, ring research, and uh, they had some pretty cool stuff on there. 
So, uh, just so people, yeah. And speaking of shout out to Indigo Tribe, and I might as well mention it here. I, I think I might have have already on the show. I can't remember. I, I am not saying what it will be about, but Indigo Tribe is one of the one of the blogs that I will be doing a crossover with in October for, for Core Conjecture. Uh, just Indigo Tribe is one of the participating uh, blogs in a crossover that I'm heading up um, in October. So, keep your eyes peeled. Okay. So anyway, so if you go <laughs> to the Lantern Cast Twitter page, you will find a link. You know, it's, uh, let's see, this was would have went up on the 30th of August. So just scroll on down to check it out. And there is a link to an Instructable, uh, which is these things, this is uh, instructables.com, where people post instructions on how to make things, modify things, you name it. Tons of different stuff. Somebody got a hold of a, a Toys R Us uh, exclusive, the, the metal ring the one that we rave about so much. And this guy actually came up with this whole procedure on how to modify it to make it light up. And, you know, lights up right through the, the center gem. It's it's really neat. It's 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 a, a bit of work, and it requires a bunch of tools. But, you know, he's got all the instructions you need, and the end result is really awesome. Did you, by chance, check that out? I did not, sir. Well, and uh, aside from that, you might also want to check out our Twitter page because of the exclusive episodes that we are throwing up there from time to time. So far, there's one. Yeah. <laughs> so, I guess it's it's more so from, you know, to time so far. <laughs> when, we th- when we have another one up there, it'll be time to time. But, uh, yeah, it's also on the website, and the reason it's in both spots is because, well, I mean, we might as well put it on the website because <laughs> the Twitter feed is also on the website, so, I mean, you're going to see it there one way or another. Yeah, exactly. So. No, that sounds cool. I would... Is it is it a regular is it how how bright is the light is there like a video that shows it? I don't think there's a video, but there are there are pictures. It's not it doesn't like shine like a flashlight, but it is very bright and it's incredibly bright in the dark. Is it LED? Yes. Okay. Oh, and, sounds cool. Yeah. Um, and then I guess speaking of lights and whatnot. Um, I actually, I, I got a few things in the mail today. Mm-hmm. The first off was the, uh, from, uh, the Bat Jeepster rings. Oh, did you now? Yes. Yes, I finally... You broke, you broke down. I caved in, I finally got the, uh, the Guardian Power Ring. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, it's so cool. I mean, it's so obscure, but it's a neat design. And it's made out of stainless steel. It's like a diamond shape with a little raised diamond in the front. It's so comfortable to wear. I love this ring. Oh, man. It's the only ring I want from him is Guy Gardner's Red Lantern ring. No, that was, that's cool. You know, that's cool, but... Uh, and Dan, Dan just got a ring. He was showing me a picture of it. 
It's his. Uh, it's a stainless steel ring, and it has kind of like that bevel that runs around the length of the band. Mm-hmm. That new style that Bat Cheapster has. Mm-hmm. And the front of it, like the design, it's all. It's almost like a house style ring, but it has the John Stewart animated design. You know that logo. That's cool. That's unique. But uh, yeah, so I love my I love my Guardian Power Ring. That's really neat. I got uh, yes, the latest acquisition. And yeah, you weren't on that episode, so this doesn't mean anything to you once again. But I got the Silver FX Green Lantern Ring, which is awesome. Um, and then I got. Uh, I got a green laser pointer. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> I, you know, I always wanted a green laser pointer. <laughs> and they finally come down in price enough that on eBay I got one for like less than five bucks. And that's including shipping and handling. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's really cool. It's like the size of a pen. And it creates like this super bright, you know, green dot. But what's really neat about it is that if you uh, you turn this thing on and it's like you know pretty dark in the room, you can actually see the beam. Okay. So like that's awesome, and uh, you know if you have like a, a freezer, you open up the freezer and you can see the beam like clear as day and light. But uh, yeah, no, like once I once I get a you know a nicer camera, I'm gonna be using this laser pointer to. Uh, create some cool effects on uh, some photos of rings and whatnot. So, something to look forward to. Woo! And if, you, if you've been on the fence about buying yourself a green laser pointer, definitely do it. It's freaking awesome. Yeah, they go for miles, those damn little lights. It's they're, so they're, bright. They're brighter than the red ones, right? Oh, super, super brighter. And I think if you hold it, you know, like if you keep it on for a few minutes, it gets pretty warm. Mm. I know I saw um, somebody had a uh, like a mod, like a modification kind of thing where they took the laser from a Blu-ray player. They took out the laser diode and actually installed it into a um, like a like a phaser prop replica from Star Trek, and mm-hmm. then they amped up. The, uh, the the power that went into it so that you turn this thing on and aim it at like a balloon, it pops the balloon because of the heat. Hmm. It's like you can actually have a laser that blows up a balloon. So, I thought that was cool. I suppose. That's my stuff. Got anything else? Nope, that's it. Go for your pop topic. Pop topic. Okay, so we mentioned the Justice League earlier and... Um, I was saying something about um, how with the Justice League of America that's coming out and, you know, the new Justice League and who they, they're opening up ranks, you know, stuff that's going on. There's something about the new DCU that it's going to take me until the Trinity War to like. And this is going to end up tying into the Larflees report because... Just in the terms of solicitations, because flip, flipping through this month's previews for stuff shipping in November, I was noticing something. 
we all know the rise of the third army is about to happen and it's a no surprise that that storyline continues in the titles that for stuff that is shipping in november well two other storylines three other actually storylines that are happening in the dcu are um what was it uh sorry hell on earth h apostrophe e l like a kryptonian name hell on earth and obviously, since I said Kryptonian, that ties in with the Superman titles, Action Comics, uh, Superman, uh, Supergirl, Superboy, whatever. Then there's the new Death of the Family storyline, which, if you that name sounds familiar, it's the Batman storyline, which is going to be with Batman and Batgirl and uh, Batwing and Batmite and whatever the fuck else is going on. <laughs> and yes, I said Batmite. Uh, and then with um, Frankenstein, Agent of Shade, Animal Man, and Swamp Thing comes the Rot World storyline. And as I'm going through this, and I'm reading these different things, and especially considering the books I am currently reading, Aquaman, uh, Swamp Thing, uh, Flash, Justice League, uh, and all the Green Lantern titles... There doesn't seem to be a whole lot of universe cohesiveness. It's like every book is its own world until it's time to tie in with another book for a storyline. Which I guess technically you can say they've been doing that forever. But it just seems like with the New 52, it is much more scatterbrained than it's ever been. And that kind of bothers me. Well, like it, there's 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 no mention of anything happening in any other book until it's time for a storyline, especially even even when the books are dealing with the same character. Like, where's the stuff for the Justice League happening for the Flash? I mean, even if it was just a mention. Uh, in Justice League, of these current storylines take place before anything in the solo series. Like, we haven't even seen something like that. It's just, it feels so small in their own little books, and then it's almost like they're forcing the tie-ins together later on. Well... And that, that bothers me. Okay. Well, first off, I think... I think the Green Lantern books. I mean, like, I, honestly, the only ones that I could really speak to are the Green Lantern books, and I don't think that was very forced. Like, especially with Blue Beetle, like, they were setting setting that up like in issue three. No, 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 no. And, and, and I'm not talking about the small two-issue crossovers. Like, for instance, uh, since I mentioned this month's previews, uh, Hawkman and Green Arrow are having this small crossover thing. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the bigger storylines that go through all the, the related books, like with Superman uh, in relation to Hell on Earth, Death in the Family in relation to the Batman stuff, Rot World. I guess Rot World could kind of be considered small, uh, like the Blue Beetle thing. But Well, I mean, with Green Lantern, the central, the central point of the whole, you know, Third Army are the Guardians. And the Guardians touch all of the Green Lantern books. 
So they all have a unifying theme or element that allows you to do, you know, like a big giant you know, crossover in quotes, because, you know, they've said that while, you know, it's going to, you know, be like the same big story, it's basically going to be from, you know, each of those books' unique perspective. So it's not like you could just read one book and you're just going to get that book's perspective on this third army. You know, like, so that's not like, um, that's not a full-on crossover. That's like a shared event. And that is, that's absolutely, that's world building. Now, it's only happening in Green Lantern books. So it's, you know, it's just building the Green Lantern section of things. But, you know, that's, that's, that's taking care of that. You there? Yeah, I'm there. So, now, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I haven't been reading the Superman books, so I don't know, you know, what's going on there, how much crossover there's actually been. But the other thing that I know is that with the new 52, they've wanted a lot of the books to kind of be their own separate thing so that, you know, people can just, you know, hop on to one book and, you know, not have to follow four other books just to know what's going on in the Superman book or, you know, have to or know what's going on in the Bat, the Bat book. Like with, with Batman, like, you can read Batman straight on through and and be happy with Batman. But once it got to the whole, you know, Court of Owls thing, if you wanted to read more about this Court of Owls thing, you could go to these other books that, you know, crossed over with the overall story, which to me is world building. That's definitely world building. Um, now, to what you're saying, though, the fact that they do keep it limited to, like, you know, just the super books or just the bat books or just the, the lantern books... They are definitely, you know, um, I guess sequestering different aspects. And so once the Trinity War comes about, like, that's going to be the big, you know, the big join-up. But I think even after that, you're still going to have, you know, um, you're going to have the people doing their own thing. You're going to have the books doing their own thing. Uh, they want... They want trades that are going to sell well on their own and don't have to, you know, you're not going to force somebody to have to go, you know, track down another trade because it crossed over. I think that they could be doing maybe a little bit better job to throw in some things here and there to combine the whole universe without it actually being a crossover. Mm -hmm. Like, what do you call it? Uh, like when in, and, you know, as much as, as much as I have zero interest in you know, the early Firestorm issues, you know, after the kind of start over, I might check it out again. But back then, like, I had no no interest. There was uh, an issue of, I think it was Batgirl, where it said, uh, it was like there was uh, some spray paint on a uh, subway. Yeah, on the back of a subway that says uh, Professor Stein's not dead. Right. You know, so, like, things like that, like, little things like that go a long way to building a universe. Uh, but, you know, something like that, like, you know, I, I think it's few and far between. 
You know, you have writers and artists that are so focused on the story that they're doing, you know, and editors that aren't really pushing for stuff like that. You know, you know what I mean? Yeah, and, and but it's just, I I think they should. That's the problem. I mean, um, and, and there are some books who try to make an effort about it. Um, for instance, I just read the Superman Annual, and you know, like Starfire's in there, and she says something about you know uh, about uh, Jason and um, oh, what's his name? What's Speedy's name? Red Arrow. Yeah, whatever his his real name is though. Um, um, whatever it is about Roy, um, Jason and Roy, um, you know, she says something about Jason and Roy and getting away from him, and then this character shows up and starts beating the hell out of her. Um, but it, it, you know, this little asterisk in her uh, her uh, speech bubble that says, "See pretty much any issue of uh, Red Hood and the Outlaws." You know, those those kind of see this issue for this and this issue for that. I mean, uh, I get that with fifty two plus titles. It might be hard to say, hey, what do you got going on in this uh, this month's uh, issue of your book? And let's make sure we're all kind of keeping up with one another. I guess that might be too much, but I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm making a mountain out of a molehill, but it just kind of seems like some things are seeming a little too scatterbrained in their own in their own books. I mean, or, uh, you know. Char- books that involve characters that are seen in other books, those two characters are are different and going through different things, and you're not quite sure of the timeline of it, you're not quite sure of the characterization of it and what's going through their minds, that kind of stuff. That That's the kind of stuff that bothers me, and and it, maybe it's not a big deal at all, but I was just wondering what your thoughts were on it. And obviously, we, we got that. So My thoughts are that you're wrong. Apparently. Yeah. All right. Well, speaking of you being wrong, why not start up a Larfleet's report? How can I be wrong about what stuff is releasing? I, I'm just, I, I, you know, I kind of, I kind of enjoy doing really bad segues. I can tell. I, I mean, like, I actually, I kind of get a kick out of doing segues really poorly. Like, if I could have made that more awkward, I probably would have. And speaking of things that are awkward, why not go for the Larfleet's report, Chad? Okay, then. (laughs) Hey, Lanterncast family, I'm Chad Bokelman, obviously. And welcome to another live, quote-unquote, edition of the Larfleet's report. One of these days Uh, we have to have a dead one. God damn it. Um, (laughs) This is uh, the September issue of previews for stuff that majority of which is shipping in November. Uh, starting with Earth 2 number 6, which continues the battle against Grundy uh, between Hawkman, uh, Flash, uh, Green Lantern, and Grundy. Maybe the Atom, depending Hawk, on Hawk who side he's on. Hawk Girl, sorry. Uh, and so who decides the final fate of the Earth? Green Lantern or Grundy? We'll find out in this issue. And uh, remember issue number two of the series, uh, that character named Sloan who encountered Mr. Terrific when he came through the uh, boom tube, boom tubes slash portal, whatever? Um, yeah, him. He returns, and does he really know what's best for the Earth? And that ships on November 7th for three bucks. 
And Spoiler alert, he doesn't. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> Green Lantern number 14. Uh, Baz, the new Green Lantern, meets and confronts the Justice League, who's wondering where the hell Hal is and what he's been up to, because obviously if you've read number 12, you know Green Lantern is gone from the oh, Justice League. Wait, wait, wait to spoil it. We already talked about this being an, an issue, an episode in which we spoiled JL. God, man, it's like, it's like you just, you wanted to just spoil JLA 12 so badly today. Really? God. Really? We, we, we already said that we were going to be doing this. Anyways. Jesus. And, and in Green Lantern Corps makes it serving oh, discovery about the Guardians, and that ships on November 7th as well for three bucks. Uh, and Green Lantern Corps, number 14, Guy Gardner's life is ruined, and for some reason... The Guardians aim to take out Jon Stewart from the looming conflict, no matter the cost. I don't know why. That's kind of confusing to me. I don't know what what's up with Jon Stewart and that he's a big deal in this conflict. Whatever. I know why. Why? They're afraid he's going to destroy Oa. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that was all right. I'll give you that one. Kill the planet killer. <laughs> Uh, and uh, that's November 14th, again, three bucks. Uh, Green Lantern, New Guardians, number 14 as well. What does Kyle Rayner fear? He'll, well, he'll find out in, at the hands of Arkillo, quote-unquote, the god of terror. Uh, November 21st, $3. Um, the cover's kind of cool. It's a new artist uh, for the series, uh, although I think he's probably started by, what, issue 13 or 12 of, or 0 of this new series. So... Check it out. See if, uh, see if you enjoy it. Uh, and speaking of things you're not quite sure you enjoy, Red Lantern's number 14. See, that's how you do a segue. Who is the next Lantern to be converted into the Third Army, and what dark secrets lay buried under the surface of Riot? Uh, which is probably a teaser of a continuing storyline that we saw at the end of Red Lantern's number 12. But we're not getting into that yet. Because I'm already getting bitched at for being spoiled for spoiling Justice League 12, and um, that's at the end of November for three dollars. <laughs> now, typically that would be the end of the Green Lantern-related solicitations for single issues. Not typically. so for typically. Typically. Not so. Shut the fuck up. Not so for. Um, one last issue that's coming out on November 28th as well, this time $4. Ooh. Batman Beyond Unlimited number 10. Oh. Now, this this is a fairly lengthy um, uh, solicit here, so let me just read it to you so I can tell you why it's Green Lantern related. Dear God. This is the digital first saga, uh, and it continues with in-print uh, as the debut of Batman Beyond I- Adventures. Witness the last stand of the Justice League against Cobra in this storyline's cataclysmic conclusion. Superman settles into his new civilian identity as a ghost from his past appears to torment his future. 10,000 Clowns continues as Batman and his allies desperately try to stop the assault on Gotham City. None of which anywhere in there does it say anything about Green Lantern. However, the cover for this issue has Big Barda, Ultimate, uh, or, or... Uh, Beyond Superman, whatever you want to call him, Batman Beyond, 
And if you ever watched the Batman Beyond series, you remember that little bald Green Lantern who always floated around with his legs crossed and all that stuff, and we never really got to see a whole lot about his history? Yeah. He's on the cover as well, and in the background is an ass-ton of Green Lanterns and an ass-ton of Thanagarians. No idea why they're there. The solicitation doesn't say anything about them being there. But if you look up the cover to Batman Beyond Unlimited number 10, you'll see what I'm talking about. What the hell is that? Oh, snap. Isn't that cool looking? Um, it's the one where the Green Lanterns are there with them. Like, Yeah. Uh, yeah. Wow. wow, that's that's weird. And in the background, there's this weird-looking Green Lantern who isn't green at all. He looks like a, a sun person. Right. Green Lantern symbol on his chest. Huh. It's really cool looking, isn't it? Yeah, that is a neat, neat design. And yeah, yeah and there's a bunch of Hawk people also. Yeah, a lot of Thanagarians. And um, I own the Batman Beyond uh, series on DVD, the complete box set, and I've always been curious about the Green Lantern of that future time. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely going to have to check it out. Yeah. So I want to see what the this is like for them. Yeah, I'll check that out. Mm-hmm. And a few other Green Lantern-related items. Green Lantern Volume 2, Revenge of the Black Hand hardcover, shipping on January 2nd. This is a uh, a 192-page uh, hardcover. It features uh, number Green Lantern number 7 through number 12, as well as Annual number 1, which just came out. And it is $25. And this is all the stuff that the, the Indigo Tribe storyline on uh, Nock. It was, it's the Black Hand stuff that leads up into Annual number 1, all that kind of stuff. And then Justice League, Volume 2, The Villain's Journey hardcover. Out January 30th, 176 pages, again $25, featuring uh, Justice League number 7 through number 12. Again in hardcover. That already. Hey, Chad. You yes, hear this? You hear the sound? You hear that? You hear that clicking? You hear it? I, I hear Yeah? Uh, yes, that's the sound of me clicking the laser pointer and aiming it at your forehead on the icon on Skype. Awesome. You have a green dot on your head. That's 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 really cool. <laughs> okay, continue. <laughs> uh, one last Green Lantern related thing. There's a couple other things I saw in there, like uh, some sweaters and stuff. But this is all stuff that's been solicited multiple times in the past, basically basically lantern symbols on a dark green sweatshirt, that kind of a thing. Uh, DC Comics Green Lantern movie Light Up Bear Brick. Um, now this has been out in the past. It's a resolicit. It's 17 bucks, but I thought it was just worth noting because those little bear brick things that come out, this one lights up. It's just a, It looks like the lantern itself. Uh, his head is clear except for like the top little arc of the handle for the Green Lantern power battery. That was a San Diego Comic-Con exclusive. Yes, and it's being resolicited as a light-up bare brick for $17. Speaking of San Diego Comic-Con exclusives that are being resolicited, do you know what you could find on the Graffiti Designs website right now? I know. You know. I know. You know who called that shit? 
You know who called that shit? I, I, I don't know. It was me. I called it. You're so cool. I know. Yeah. So I don't, it probably isn't going to be still available, but you know, all our listeners can be free to check it. Listen, if you were, if you were on our Facebook page, you would know this information already, but the Kyle Rayner and Kilowog two pack set for the 3.75 inch scale DC collectibles, uh, San Diego Comic Con exclusive is it's on their website. You can get it right now. Well, as we record this, you can get it. And, uh, Yeah, I called that. Yep. You want to continue, Chad? Yeah. <laughs> Marvel pick. <laughs> what was that? Marvel pick. Oh, oh, okay. Deadpool number one. Look, Deadpool book. Now, if you don't already know, I don't give half a wet fart about Deadpool uh, or his half a trillion various titles. Sorry, Corwin. But uh, when you present me with a cover image of a Godzilla-like creature spitting not only phlegm, but literally cats and dogs out of his mouth, while Deadpool is literally flying through the air, unloading about literally 50 magazine clips into this thing's mouth, how can I not be intrigued enough to check it out for three bucks? <laughs> you, should, should, you should check out the cover. Is that, is that a joke? For Deadpool number one. What? You're telling, you're telling jokes now? What are you talking about? You actually want me to pick up Deadpool? Deadpool number one. I don't, I don't think so. I, I, I don't. like Godzilla thing is spitting out cats and dogs out of his mouth. Why Deadpool is floating through the air. God. In this thing's mouth, but... Uh, <laughs> Alrighty then. God almighty. I hate you so much, Chad. How dare I make you look up things? Seriously. I, I don't... I'm, I'm not saying this. Oh, wait, wait. There it is. There it is. <laughs> wait a second. Is that... Oh my god, is that... Tell me more artwork? Oh, Jeff Darrow. Hmm. It's Jeff Darrow. Okay. Um, eh, that's fairly interesting. Insane. <laughs> Although the angle that he's shooting the gun doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And uh, indie pick from a company called Yen Press, Y-E-N Press, on November 20th, a 256-page black-and-white hardcover graphic novel for $20 will be released. And if you're not aware by now, shame on you, I am a huge fan of a certain writer known as Anne Rice. Well, Anne Rice will be at New York Comic Con. Not for random-ass reason, but because she is coming out with a graphic novel. Anne Rice's Interview with a Vampire, Claudia's Story, with art by Ashley Witter. Uh, and the solicitation reads, A richly illustrated adaptation of Anne Rice's Interview with a Vampire, told through the eyes of the vampire Claudia. 
who was just a little girl when she was turned by the vampire Lestat. Though she spends many years of happiness with two vampire fathers, she gradually grows discontent with their, their insistence upon treating her like a little girl. Even though she has lived as long as any mortal man, and her lust to kill is certainly no less than theirs. Now, if you've ever seen the Interview with a Vampire movie, that's the little vampire girl that uh, was played by Kirsten Dunst. Uh, if you've ever read the books, however, that's a whole different story because that chick is effing creepy. Um, but yeah, super excited to check this out. I think it's going to be at, only at the fact that it's in black and white. And having Anne Rice herself write that, it's almost like having a... a a return to the vampire world for Anne Rice. As much as I'd like to see another novel about it, have a novel form, fine, I'll take it. The Ridiculous Duo. Now, this particular issue of previews uh, this time around, not a whole lot in the form of uh, things to, to make fun of. But there were a couple things I thought were noteworthy. The first of which, from a company called Hey Drude Publications, D-R-U-D-E Publications, is an 86-page black-and-white $10 softcover. It is called Space Hustlers Ooh. by Steve Owen. Interesting. Now, with, as with most of these things... I'm just going to have to read you this solicitation outright so you know why I picked this one. From the outer reaches of space, the space hustlers kidnap, blow up, extort, or just give well-deserved noogies to those who stand in their way. <sighs> Joined by a Confucius alien kung fu monkey and a semi-conscious robot... <laughs> Street knowledge clashes with ancient philosophy as the space hustlers accomplish any mission just so long as they don't kill each other first. I'll be honest, <laughs> I thought this would be vastly different than what, what it actually turned out to be. <laughs> oh man, I was I was pretty much thinking of like... I don't know, some sort of variation of the Star Sapphire core. Like Space Horse? <laughs> like like Space Hustler. Like Hustler the Magazine. I mean, <laughs> I guess what I'm looking for is more like Space Playboy. Although then they'd probably do like Iron Man in space just to piss me off. <laughs> so, if you rewind the tape a little bit, people, when you hear Jim in the background go, Ooh... He's thinking about naked space women. <laughs> well, not necessarily naked, but, you know, in, like, <laughs> outer space outfits. Outer space outfits. Yes. You mean outer space lingerie. Okay, we'll go with that. <laughs> I just, I, I thought it was too crazy not to put in the, the ridiculous duo because Confucius alien kung fu monkey and a semi-conscious robot. I don't know, that's that's kind of ridiculous. But what if I wanted something that was really ridiculous? Oh, <laughs> uh, wait no more, because a popular toy company known as Hasbro is re-releasing a newer version of their super popular <laughs> 90s toy item. 
And at this point, I will need uh, Mr. James to insert a uh, little audio clip. <laughs> That's right, folks. Furby is back. The little uh, crazy-looking, kind of gizmo-looking, talking mechanical doll, that thing... Yeah, it's back and it's uh it's new, new and improved oh, because gosh. now now it interacts with your smartphones and <laughs> uh, your tablets and you can feed it and it and it'll translate Furby talk for you on your app on your phone. Oh, <laughs> Why is this ridiculous? First of all, Furbies themselves are ridiculous. It's also ridiculous because this is the only toy I ever had as a kid that scared the ever-loving piss out of me. This thing is freaking horrifying when i was a kid and my sister and i had a furby we each had our own and then we we're in our rooms i eventually destroyed mine my little sister however because they were so popular she's three years younger than me she wants to be cool and let everybody know she has a furby she kept hers a little longer well what i did was she got scared when the thing would start fucking talking in the middle of the night and go feed me <laughs> I shit you not. That was one of the lines that Furby from the 90s said. He would go, ah, ah, feed me. And when you hear that shit at 2 o'clock in the morning as a kid, you scare the piss out of yourself. <laughs> well, my little sister would make it a point of taking the batteries out of her Furby when she went to sleep. So being the awesome big brother I was, oh, because this is what all big brothers do, after she fell asleep, I would sneak quietly into her room. <laughs> I would put the batteries back in, I would turn the Furby on, and I would sneak quietly out of the room and wait a few minutes until the ah, ah, feed me came out and the horrific scream of my little sister would go echoing through the house. Oh, God. <laughs> now, if you go to YouTube and look up the new Furby, it's about a minute and 30 second video. Uh, it's a blue Furby um, they come in two colors, apparently, the cool Furby and the hot Furby. Um, cool being a light blue and hot, I think, is like some reddish kind of color uh, or purplish kind of color. I don't know. But this thing doesn't even have a price point yet. It's Please Inquire. The whole thing is creepy as hell. It makes these weird new sounds. It moves in weird new ways, and it's creepy as hell. <laughs> Jim watched the video I posted on the Larfleys Report Facebook page. What do you think? You know, okay. So they they took the Furby idea from, you know, years and years ago, and they modified it so that they incorporated a bunch of new sensors, which when when you look at it from that perspective, it's not a bad idea because the sensor technology that they've been, you know, building towards – like the stuff that's in your phone, your phone knows, you know, when it's upside down. It knows when it's being turned. Um, what you call it? Your phone can sense volume. The amount of things that your phone can sense that you don't even realize that it can sense, you know, is is staggering. And they have other sensors, you know, that you can just buy standalone that'll test different things like air quality and you name it. They've got sensors for it. It's, it's huge for, like, you know, the do-it-yourselfers. So to incorporate stuff like this into a Furby or into any toy is is neat because it, 
adds like a level of uh, interactiveness that you know you've never had before. People have never been able to play with a toy in this manner, where the toy, it's like you don't even need an imagination. The toy is basically playing with you because it can actually interact with you. So, on principle, it's a great idea. Especially when you have a smartphone, you can interact with it with a smartphone. And I actually do kind of like the idea that you can have an app that translates what the Furby is saying. Which means that they actually spent time coming up with a translation for everything that Furby says, which is completely beyond me. But beyond that, here's where the problem comes into play with the Furby. One, the the voice of the Furby. Like, come on, spend a little more money, get, get a slightly better voice, because it is a creepy-as-hell voice. But honestly... The big thing, the thing that just strikes me as like, you know, this should never have been popular and it should never be popular again. They basically took a whole mess of circuits and a whole mess of like sensors and gave it the ability to make weird noises and they put it inside this furry little pole, you know, ball of crap. It's like... It's it's a little fuzzball with a beak, and that's a Furby. Like, that's the shape that you went for? Like, honestly, why didn't you just take a cardboard box and throw a whole bunch of shit in it and package it off? It's like, oh, here's your, your box bot. You know, it's like, come on. The, the yeah. way the thing looks is so cheesy and ridiculous Oh, God, like, and, okay, maybe that shit, you know, would fly back in the 90s when the fact that it had sensors to do stuff like that made it stand out so that people wanted it because the toy would, you know, actually talk to you and blah, blah, blah. But now, by now, like, there's a lot of toys with sensors. There's a lot of toys with a lot of sensors. And, you know, all these toys, they they cost money. They're, you know, you're going to pay at least 50 bucks for these things unless you wait for one week after Christmas, in which case you get it for half price. But, you know, like, God, like, unless unless parents are just, like, you know, so hard up for something else to find, the, this Furby, it's, it's an ugly, ugly little fuzzball of crap. And it serves no purpose. It serves no purpose. It's a horrible, horrible toy. It just sits there, and you have to feed it and pet it, and you have to... It's, it's like a responsibility. Your parents <laughs> buy you a Furby. They're buying you a, a responsibility that's going to scare the crap out of you at 2 o'clock in the morning because invariably your older brother is going to put the batteries back in and freak you the fuck out in the middle of the night. God. Can't. And if you, go to, if you go to the Larfleas Report Facebook page... I posted a video, the YouTube video I was mentioning earlier, and if James can, he can. If he can't, he can't. At a minute and 14 seconds, <laughs> this thing does the weirdest sound and uh, combination of uh, moves that I swear to God, if any toy of mine ever did that, I would grab the nearest baseball bat and smash it to pieces. I don't give a fuck how much my parents spent on it. <laughs> yeah, it basically looks like the thing just 
out of the blue becomes possessed by the devil and starts doing a little singing <laughs> dance. You know, praise the dark master. <laughs> That's probably what it's saying in Furbish. Get the Google, get the translator out. <laughs> God. Oh, and, and and moving on from the horrific nature that is Furby. Where do you go from Furby? <laughs> a couple of honorable mentions. Oh God. <laughs> uh, not for a ridiculous dude, just stuff I thought was cool. Um, DC Comics Cover Girls statue Harley Quinn. Uh, it's uh, eight point five inches tall for a hundred dollars out in December. Uh, it's obviously the new Fifty Two version of Harley Quinn with her corset and everything, but I, I, and it's not because she's skanky looking. I, there's something about the new Harley Quinn style that I like. Um, she's like kind of uh, mischievously uh, hunched over. She's got like a knife behind her back, hidden behind her back, and she's smiling. She's stepping on her old costume from you know the previous universe, that kind of stuff. It's really cool looking, uh, and and I. I might actually get this. I don't know. It's $100, so we'll have to see how much it is on DCBS or something. Um, but there was something else, and we would be remiss not to mention it because we're fans of this uh, particular comic creator. From IDW, with art by Andy Price, My Little Pony Friendship is Magic Number 1, written by Katie Cook. 32 pages for $4. Um... We love Katie Cook, so we might as well promote her whenever we get a chance. And I saw Katie Cook's name in preview, so I thought I'd give her a shout-out. Nice. And, and now, the pick of the week. Now, this... I, I'm, big, I'm lately getting big into uh, the history of comics. And although I'm not quite a big fan of this guy per se, I cannot deny the effect he's had on the industry. Uh-oh. Nerd alert. With Great Power, The Stan Lee Story. It is a documentary, obviously about Stan Lee, uh, out on Blu-ray for 30 bucks or DVD for 25 bucks. It's a, a history of Stan Lee and his contribution to the industry. Some of the people uh, talking about it, uh, interviewed in the, the thing, uh, let's say Todd McFarlane, uh, Nicolas Cage, Frank Miller, Lou Ferrigno, uh, Gene Colan, James Franco, Kirsten Dunst, Danny Elfman, Paris Hilton for some reason, <laughs> Samuel Samuel L. Jackson, uh, Paul Levitz, Toby McGuire, uh, Eva Mendez, Joe Casada, uh, John Romita, Joe Simon, Brian Singo, Ringo Starr for whatever reason, um, Kevin Smith and Patrick Stewart, and a bunch of others. Um, this is basically the, the history of Stan Lee. And I've heard a lot of, in, in my research of other things, I've, I've read about the history of the comics industry. Stan Lee himself, some of the stuff he says and claims uh, credit for, it seems like he's not entirely truthful all the time about what he's responsible for in comics kind of embellishes stories and, and changes uh, his, his story changes from time to time, which leads you to believe some of the stuff he says isn't truthful. Okay, fine, whatever. But just for the sheer novelty of having, you know, a focused story on Stan Lee and his contribution to the industry and everything like that, I, I, I'm, I'm interested. I, I have to check it out. There's, there's no way I'm not getting this. It's just, it's, it's too interesting to me not 
to have. Are, are you going to pick this up, Jim? Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> I, hey, true believer. <laughs> could let's see. Uh, no, there's no way I could care any less about that. I would rather. I would. I would actually rather spend twenty four dollars on McDonald's like in one visit, so that I would have to throw out most of it, than buy that and have to watch it. Do you feel the same way about Stanley? I do. Uh, n- probably not. Um, I don't, uh, I don't care about the politics enough to dislike him. Um. Well, I do just because I think that if, if you created something, you should get the credit for it in the industry. And if Stanley is embellishing who created what and stuff like that, then that's just not cool in my mind. But that's neither here nor there. That's not what this is about. Well, yeah, I don't, I don't know because like you can't deny that he had at least some a major impact. Ma- well, he definitely had a major impact, but you can't deny that he didn't have some role in, you know, if not, you know, some of, if not all of what he claimed, then at least some, you know? So, I mean, like, it kind of reminds me of the thing with the Beatles, where when, when, uh, when McCartney and, uh, and Lennon were writing songs, like, any song that they wrote together, Lennon's name was written first. And, you know, so, like, even if McCartney, you know, had a bigger contribution to that particular song, Lennon's name was still first. But, you know, like, late, you know, after, you know, years years and years after Lennon died, you know, McCartney's like, you know, can we change it up now? Can, can we change it up for a little while so that I could get first billing on some of these songs? And and Yoko Ono's like, nope, you know, you made the agreements, you know, you're you're screwed out of that forever. Well, you know, it's like, I don't, it, it, the, the whole situation just kind of like leaves a bad taste in my mouth, so I don't really, I don't really choose to follow it that closely. Yeah, I gotcha. And that Harley Quinn uh, statue is uh, interesting. It's pretty cool looking, huh? It's interesting. I'm not a huge yeah. fan of her new costume, but it's, I don't know. It's I don't know. It's interesting. Yeah, yeah. And the the last thing is just the the rankings of where they were uh, in comics. Um, we already mentioned where. Um, um, Green Arrow was when we were talking about Green Arrow and Savage Hawkman and all that stuff. Well, the rankings for the Green Lantern-related books, uh, as they are number 11s, uh, Red Lantern's number 11 came in at number 53. New Guardians, number 11, came in at number 39. Uh, Green Lantern Corps, 11, came in at number 38. And Green Lantern itself, the main series, came in at number 9. And uh, just for shits and giggles, Earth 2 number 3, which is the all-new origin of Alan Scott in the New 52 universe, came in at number 13. Nice. Mm-hmm. And that's it for the Larflees Report. Until next month.
Thank God. Yeah, there wasn't a whole lot this time around. <clears throat> I mean, I suppose it would help if I got my hands on a previews issue and went through and found some stuff that I was interested in. Too. What's uh, what's the lead figures for the month on DC? Um, I think they're just doing the chess sets now. Really? Yeah. I can look it up. Hold on. I think I had that page bookmarked for something else. Yeah, it's just the chess sets. Oh, that's a... Um, this, this time around, it is... Uh, for the chess set, uh, for the Black Pawn, it is Red Hood. The original Red Hood, um, not the, the newer one. And for the White Pawn, it is Batwing. And the Marvel statues, it is Gamora from Guardians of the Galaxy. And Vance Astro, I don't know who the fuck that is. Oh, is it, uh, does he have a full mask on, or is it with uh, black hair? Full mask on. Uh, a blue and white costume, and he looks like he's holding cap shield. Yes. Okay, so that's that's the newest iteration of Vance Astro. I don't know who that is. Guardians of the um, Galaxy. Oh, okay. But yeah, I had this bookmarked because, um, and I just want to let you guys know, there are a lot of cool like novelizations of comic characters out there. They're resoliciting that Last Days of Krypton novel by Kevin J. Anderson, which, eh, it's okay. <laughs> but uh, they're also resoliciting a book I saw in Barnes & Noble not long ago, and I almost picked up. I just didn't have enough money because I was getting some other stuff that day. Wayne of Gotham by Tracy Hickman. Uh, it's a really good book. Um, it's, I, I've seen nothing but great reviews for it, as well as a, a novel by Kevin J. Anderson called Enemies and Allies. It's uh, The Dark Knight Meets the Man of Steel, and it takes place in uh, the Cold War era. I've read a lot of really good novelizations of uh, specifically DC characters, so look look for that. If you're into if you if you like reading books and you love these characters like actual novels and you like have an affinity for these characters, you it, it is it is definitely worth your while to check out some of the novelizations of these characters. Okay. And uh, well, time for close out, huh? I guess so. Well, I did have one thing to talk about real quick. Oh God. And, and it's and it's not uh, connected to the Larfleys report. It's just kind of some. Uh, Thanks uh, and stuff go out to. Um, we, as I we stated earlier in the episode, we're being a little more active on Twitter than we have in the past, and as a result, uh, some some uh, mutual friends and stuff have retweeted us or, or promoted us in some way. So thanks go out to Graphic Audio for you know retweeting us, and we got a, a new follower or two out of that. Um, and uh, mostly some thanks go out to the Fire and Water podcast, which is put on by uh, uh, Shag uh, of FirestormFan.com and Rob Kelly of uh, AquamanShrine.com. They have a podcast called Fire and Water in which they they uh, talk about uh, Firestorm and Aquaman, their new series and things going on with them, a bunch of other things. They even do a Who's Who podcast iteration. Not only did they give us a shout-out on Twitter, but there are a few episodes of theirs in which – you know, I wrote some fan mail to their show, and they, you know, they said this is from Chad, and he does the Lantern. He's part of the team of the Lantern Cast, and check out the Lantern Cast. They do this, so they've they've promoted us on their show, and we just wanted to return the favor. So to take take a listen to uh, the Fire and Water podcast, um, 
they're really great guys and it's a really entertaining and well put together podcast. Definitely. Did you know that we actually broke a hundred followers on Twitter? I did indeed. That's nice. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Twitter followers. Yeah, for sure. And uh, and we're actually only two away from 300 on Facebook. That's true. That's crazy. Crazy awesome. Crazy awesome indeed. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay, so um, we've established that people love us. So if they want to get in touch with us, you can do so at lanterncast.gmail.com. You can go to our website, lanterncast.com, where you can find links to our forum, our Facebook page, uh, news, you name it, it's all there. Uh, We also have a voicemail number, 708-LANTERN, and if you you record a voicemail for us, you call up, leave us a voicemail, Dan will will get on our backs to actually play that. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Dan and I will get on your back to play it. Dan is the voicemail taskmaster. Number one, and but <laughs> I back him up constantly. You're the one that doesn't want to play him. Listen. I'm too tired. My pregnant wife is pregnant. It's too late in the evening. I don't want to wake her up. Blah, blah, blah. Listen. I might not always make voicemails the top priority for playing on the show, but... Might not. You don't. But... I do try to make a point of getting back to the people that left those voicemails, you know, pretty quickly. I do, I do get back to the people. Like, you know, not, not officially on the show, but I send them an email, say thanks for the voicemail. You know, if they ask a question, then I shoot them an answer so that they don't have to wait, you know, three or four weeks to actually hear it play on the episode. Listeners, if that's true... Send me an email and let me know, because I highly doubt it is. Oh, it absolutely that is, is true. That That is chad at lanterncast.com, because I don't believe he does this. Oh, that's, I, I swear, it is 100% true. Let's see. Uh... No, 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 I don't, no, no, no. I, I, I don't want your photoshopped evidence. I, just uh, let them get back to me. Oh, okay. That's fine. Don't believe me. Did you mention iTunes? iTunes is something that you can go to and subscribe to us and leave us reviews. Please leave us reviews. And that's that's we keep saying it. We're not we're begging, but we're not begging <laughs> because no 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 really no. Does. It has nothing to do with that. I know, I know, what? I know the secrets behind iTunes now, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna take care of that. But we still want reviews. But I'll explain to you at some other point. Reviews do play a part in the ranking that you see on uh, iTunes when it shows up when you type in certain things. To what degree, I'm sure Jim will inform me post credits, but uh, post haste. Yeah. Post haste. Oh, whatever. This episode has been dragging it on too long. We should probably end it. Episode magic. (laughs) Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody.